switch. Kill switch. This is Kill Switch. Kill Switch is written, produced, and narrated by Hans Anderson. See hansanderson.com slash killswitch for episodes, behind the scenes, and more. I practiced two dozen times, timed down to the second. Still, stealing it for real was nerve-wracking. So much had to go right, but so much was likely to go wrong. And I didn't want to have to hurt Kevin. I looked over at him. Kevin gave me an enthusiastic thumbs up. Kevin was so psyched we were working this job together. I nodded to him and smiled. I knew we would never see each other again. And I thought, Kevin, I am so sorry for what I'm about to do. Yesterday, we prepped for tonight. Dry run. Rehearsal. Walkthrough. Me, Kevin, Kumar, Juan, and our team lead, Barry. D-bag Barry. We were working high-end security for a data center that housed much of the world's most important anonymous data. Think Swiss banks. But for intellectual property, big money research, Bitcoin wallet, or anything illicit you could store on a solid-state computer hard drive. Yesterday, team leader Barry said, All right, asshats. We drew... Area 7. He said it with a sense of doom, but I already knew which area we would randomly draw. I fixed the drawing. I had to have Area 7. There was no other point for me to be there doing this job. Barry said, So listen up. We have a few no-nos on this job. No tasers and bullets, obviously. We are paid handsomely to defend this here data with our lives, true, but we only get stun guns. Go like that. Turn in your security ID and leave now. No, no, number two, tomorrow is Friday. You arrive Friday at noon. You do not leave until Saturday at noon following a successful upgrade. It will be a complete lockdown. There will literally be no way to leave. Cell phone signals are jammed. No, no, number three. Barry looked around at each of us on this team. Kumar and Juan stood on either side of me. Barry settled on Kevin. He said, Kevin, I'd like you to demonstrate no, no, number three. Touch that server rack. Kevin said, Barry, you said never to touch. Barry interrupted. Just touch it, dumbass. I said, Barry, we all know what will happen. We don't need another demonstration. Barry looked at me and said, Alan, you've just elected yourself as Kevin's replacement. For a moment, I was like, Alan? Who's Alan? That always happened when someone called me by my fake name. I said, fine. I walked over to the server rack. Kevin looked at me, already wincing. I could tell he was both happy it wasn't him, but also guilty that I took his place. I knew it was going to hurt. But I also knew I'd live, so I just... did it. I... Ouch, that hurt. 
I woke up a couple minutes later. Barry announced, All right, numb nuts is awake. Nice screaming ass hat like a little girl watching Nightmare on Elm Street. So, no, no, number three, do not touch the server racks. They are wired with enough voltage to stun your ass for up to two minutes if you have a good heart. That was yesterday. Rehearsal. Today, Barry would get his. Right now, he was counting down. In five, four, three, two, one. We were in Gateway Underground Secure Storage. Everyone called it by its acronym, Gus. Gus was implementing a planned upgrade, a known outage. Barry's countdown started the clock. The engineers had 30 minutes to bring a new aisle of servers online and to upgrade the on-site power generators. 30 minutes of being naked in a blizzard. Naked, but not defenseless. That's where my team came in. My team and a score of teams just like mine. I heard over Barry's walkie-talkie. We are powered down. Kima has 30 minutes till power up. Perimeter is secure. Barry said, We are on, gentlemen. Do your job. Ever so often, Gus had to upgrade their servers and security, and that meant an outage. The first time, five years ago, Gus shut it down and were subsequently robbed blind by a hacker espionage group still unknown to this day. The problem was Gateway had a global client base and had to announce the outage worldwide so clients could adjust. During an outage four years ago, another attempt was made to steal data, but the attackers accidentally, air quotes, died trying to get away. All six of them. Rumors on the Dark World forums from four years ago stated all kinds of conspiracy theories. None proven, as the coroner rubber-stamped the cause of death as heart attacks, and the case was quickly closed. I learned as much in my research when I accepted this job, and let's just say it was on my mind. Synchronized, coordinated heart failure. Right. There hadn't been an attempt since then, four years, until tonight. I needed one SD card. On it, the secret that would save my sister and make Boss Man 95 very wealthy. I watched Barry stalk the catwalk above us. Our team was the last human line of defense. An isolated generator on level 10 kept the server rack voltage flowing while the actual server power was cut. And that suited me just fine. I strolled a little too far to my right, out of position. From that catwalk above, Barry yelled, Alan, you are out of position. I ignored him. Barry yelled again, ignore, again, ignore. Then I heard the rattle of the metal catwalk as Barry hurried down, strutting toward me purposefully. I paced away from him as he walked up. It was just Barry and me in this aisle, this section. I wanted for us to be alone when we got tangled in a tango, and this spot right here was the dance floor. Barry approached. I slowed my tempo. I heard him behind me. He growled. God damn it. Are you deaf? He grabbed my arm and I spun, knocking him off balance. Barry crumpled into the server rack. Zap. 
Rackle. <laughs> I had practiced this dance every chance in advance until I could pull a bullseye on a full-size, full-weight, five-foot-eight dummy, a mannequin, the manner in which I would pin the tail on Barry the D-bag's ass. Barry grabbed my right arm, expecting to pull me around to face him. He pulled, but I didn't resist. I spun. It was more of a bullfighter move than anything. He hit the server rack and was immediately stunned. The server rack was built to shock for five seconds, then shut down for 30 seconds, so as to only stun, not kill. Barry hit the rack. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, I had 30 seconds. I poked the SD card slot and pulled out the card I needed. IL-7, Section 4, Rack 12, ID number 3902354. To cover my tracks, I poked five other cards out of their slots and pocketed them as well. I thought, okay, Teresa, this one's for you. I yelled, Kevin, Juan, Kumar, Barry's hurt. I almost giggled. Barry would be out cold for two minutes. Juan, Kumar, and Kevin rushed over and knelt down over Barry. I said, he dripped or something. I fell into the rack. Oh, man. Oh, man. Poor Barry. I wondered if I was laying it on too thick. I patted my pocket. These were the only copies of this data. There were no backups because if your data is this valuable, this private, this potentially illegal, having a second copy means having a second massive security plan. In studying stolen specs for this facility, I understood what would happen next. An alarm would blast. An army of security would leave their posts and come straight for this room. They'd start searching for the perp. <clears throat> Me. By the time they got here, I hoped to be 10 floors up on the surface. I knew all this because I met a man who used the handle Bossman95 on the Dark World forums. Bossman told me everything, sold me on this thing, controlled and pulled the strings. He sent me here to steal this SD card, pose as a security guard, said it wouldn't even be hard. You better be right. If not, it was going to be the world's shortest getaway. Barry was down, the team was distracted. I hurried down aisle 7, scurried around the end of section 11, and hoped not to see Kevin as I walked toward the exit. I worried. Would my security badge work? I scanned my badge at the door, listened for the click, opened it, and walked out. As the door closed behind me, I heard Kumar yell, Hey Alan, where are you going? I was going to get the hell out of there. I started down the left hallway. I'd gone 200 feet when I heard voices in front of me. Damn it. I turned and headed back. I'd have to take the long way. Just as I passed by the door I had just exited, Kevin came out. He said, Hey, Alan, Kumar sent me to find out. Zap. That last part was what Kevin sounded like when I zapped him with the stun gun. What can I say? I panicked. I didn't want to use my stun gun on Kevin. In hindsight, I wish I hadn't. But look, Kevin would live. If I didn't do this, my sister wouldn't. Zap, crackle, and... Zap, crackle, pop. Zap, crackle, and... The voice came over the loudspeaker, counting us down like I was participating in the final act of a James Bond movie. 
I was behind schedule. I raced around the Gateway Underground Secure Storage Facility for over 10 minutes. Hallways, elevators, stairs, wrong turns. I got lost twice. The SD room was 10 stories underground. The elevator took forever. Finally, I got to ground level. The exit scanned my badge again, praying it still worked. It did, thank God. And I walked into the wet night air. Ugh. So humid. As I walked toward my car, I heard a new alarm sounding. The exit had been breached. When I practiced this step, I planned to have 10 minutes left to go in the countdown by this point. Uh-oh. Ducking a spotlight scanning the fence line like an old prison movie, I jogged to my car. A big old 1996 Crown Vic beater I named Vicky. I paid cash for it last month. It was not mint. Barry saw me drive up once and spent the next week bullying me for it. But Vicky was perfect. Former police car. Reinforced suspension. High output engine. Push bars on the front. I got in and turned the key. Oh, come on. I could see my fellow rent-a-cops leaving the building, fanning out, looking for me. Flashlights shined, voices shouted, alarms blared. I had not practiced this step. Jesus, why had I not bought a better car? Come on, Vicky, crown, Vicky, queen. You have been Vicky. Be kidding me. Calm down. Happy place. Happy. You useless piece of mother... I worked for Axelrod Security LLC. My whole team did. We contracted with Gateway Underground Secure Storage, Gus, for this weekend. Three grand hazard pay for one night's work if all went well. For them. If it went well for me, Axelrod employees would each get half that. Had Gus not planned an upgrade where they had to shut down normal security for 30 minutes, I would have never gotten this far. My Axelrod security team was there to make sure what I was doing didn't happen. We were 27 minutes into the 30-minute blackout, and I was nearly free. I had to get through the perimeter fence before the upgrade was complete. Or else. And my fucking car wouldn't... Two minutes, two minutes. Power up in two minutes. It started! Hell yeah! Everyone heard my car roar to light. All eyes turned toward me. The perimeter defense, men trusted with actual guns, with actual bullets, automatic weapons, aimed them my way. Drips of traffic spikes lined the entrance. The main gate was already closed and barricades had been erected earlier in the night. But I wasn't going out of gate. I floored. My tires screeched. I spun toward the darkest corner of the parking lot. The one requirement when I bought this car was that it had airbags and a V8 because I was going to need them. Brakes? I didn't care about. I wasn't going to need brakes. Thirty miles per hour, 40, 45, 50, less than a football field for the fence, 60, 70, nothing in my way, only a long, lonely parking lot. Then, Put on the gas in a blast so fast. In a flash, the buffer folded, airbags exploded. In the slowest immediate instant I'd ever felt drop, everything instantly accelerated into a slow motion stop. 
I had studied the specs, and I knew every fourth pole on the fence surrounding this remote gust facility was a 30-foot steel I-beam, 15 feet buried, 15 feet in the air. Between those steel I-beam pillars were cement-reinforced columns. The facility advertised the wire as being Kevlar reinforced steel weave, crackling with 6.6 kilovolts of stun lethal force topped by poisoned concertina wire. In other words, they made it like they used to. The only realistic way through a fence this secure was to bulldoze it, knock it down. Driving a caterpillar to work would have aroused suspicion, so the Crown Vic did fine in a pinch. I rammed Vicky right into the fence. According to plan, it would crash through, airbags would deploy, and I would escape. According to reality, I crashed my car and was stuck. How long did I sit there? Days. Pinned my seat by those 25-year-old airbags that had actually deployed. I was totaled, and the fence was only imperceptibly bent. Shit! I stabbed the airbag with a knife I'd stashed in the console next to me. I got out and examined the fence. The rest of the security team was running toward me, shouting, HALT! As if they were 500 feet away and closing. I had 20 seconds before they swarmed me, and I didn't know if the fence was active already again. Had it been two minutes already? I looked closer at the fence. There was a rift, a small break, but it was enough. I grabbed my backpack, opened it, and grabbed a grapefruit I had in there for this exact reason. I tossed the grapefruit at the fence. The grapefruit would either bounce off harmlessly if the fence was still being upgraded, or the grapefruit would vaporize if the fence was active and working. It bounced, and so did I. I pushed my backpack through, climbed out, got free, and limped away into the forest, leaving a trickle trail of blood and sweat in the oppressive Atlanta humidity. As I padded my pocket of SD cards, I heard the fence crackle to life. Ha ha, none of the security guards still yelling halt would be able to climb through. That would gain me at least 10 minutes, maybe more. I smiled. Phase one was a success. Thanks for listening. Phase two, next time. Check out hansanderson.com slash killswitch for more on this series. <laughs>